If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, episode number 248. Turning your passion into a profitable business is like the ultimate dream, right? But focusing in on those passions and really digging into what matters most to you and then finding a way to turn it into a cash flow in a way that feels authentic to who you are, that's like the entrepreneurial journey right there. And while we've got so many distractions on top of multiple passions, finding focus is easier said than done. Now, our guest today is Kate Ahrens, and she created the lifestyle brand Wit and Delight. And it started as a personal project just to get to know herself, but became a resource for over 3.3 million followers. And what Wit and Delight does is it allows people to feel less alone in the ups and downs of their journey through life. Like when she says the world lifestyle brand, she's actually talking about combining life in style. She shares food and design and travel and publishes deeply personal essays to explore her journey through things like divorce and mental illness and an undiagnosed learning disability. But Kate and I today are kind of peeling back the layer. We're talking about what she would do if she were to start back at square one and what it's been like to build a personal brand that doesn't have to put her personal life on blast all the time and how to know when to share the hard parts of life. So today's interview is just really incredible. It's inspiring to me in so many ways. And we screwed the script and just had a conversation. And so I hope today's conversation with Kate leaves you feeling inspired to get started and to really own the things that set you apart, even if they aren't the most beautiful things. Let's talk about a true lifestyle where we take life and we take style and we put it together in one conversation on the show today. Are you guys ready? Here we go. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover Jenna Kutcher. 
You guys get to sit in today with two Minnesota gals just catching up. And the funny thing about Kate and I is we followed each other for years and we still haven't met in person. Like, what the heck? I know. It's crazy. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. And, you know, it was so cute. I was just telling Kate, but Drew and I were running around the house to get the baby all set up and stuff so that I could record. And he's like, hey, who are you recording with today? And I was like, I'm recording with Kate. And I looked down at my to-do list and it was written on a wit and delight paper pad from Kate. And so it just felt like the universe was aligning for today's show. So Kate, for people that don't know you or haven't stumbled upon wit and delight, tell us your story because your story has hooked me in from day one and just watching you evolve has been incredible. Oh, thank you, Jenna. So I started wit and delight in 2009. So I am what they call an original blogging gangster. (laughs) I think I was like the second class of bloggers who had came out and, you know, I was a graphic designer working in branding and working with a lot of a lot of projects that were just working with men. I was redesigning Jack Daniels bottles and I had these great bosses who said, you know, follow your passions outside of work and mine were very much about learning how to do designing and branding for, you know, retail clients or clients that I felt I had more of a passion for. I wasn't really into Jack Daniels. So, I also had this big money problem. It was, you know, the height of the recession and I had all this credit card debt and I thought if I lose my job, what like what am I going to do? And so there was a little bit of a fire under me that said, "Okay, you got to figure out you don't have a magic parachute. You definitely can't call your parents because they would be like, what happened?" <laughs> so I, I thought, "Okay, why don't I try this blog thing? Maybe I can talk to my own design community and find some freelance clients." And so really Wit and Delight started as a place where I was sharing my, you know, interests in design and the type of branding projects I liked. And obviously, design became like a broader definition. So then I got into interiors and clothing. And what happened with the audience is as it grew slowly, I began to realize that I was really looking at how design fit in with my life. And then it became how life and style kind of intersect. And I've really followed that path. And it's always been about, not just about the aesthetics, but really what it means to me or the usage or how it fits in with life. And so that foundation began, you know, 10 years ago. And I've always been a visual person. So the brand really grew when platforms like Pinterest and Instagram came out because I had always felt that I could communicate more clearly through images than I had my writing. And my writing skills have gotten better, but it just that it was really this wonderful moment for me to be kind of at the right place at the right time with the right fear of, <laughs> you know, not being able to pay my bills that transform Wit and Delight into, you know, a, a real business. But it was a slow journey and it was not a, I just blew up. It has been a constant chugging along. And when I say it's been a decade, I mean, I can't believe that. It doesn't, (laughs) it feels like forever ago, but it doesn't. And the world has changed so much, you know, since then. I I think that's so interesting too, because you as your identity as a human has morphed so much from Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Right. And one of the things that really drew me to you is obviously like the beautiful images and inspiration that you share. But I feel like the first time I felt like truly connected to you was when you started talking about some more personal topics and kind Mm -hmm. of like removing the veil from the beautiful images and talking about things like divorce and mental mm-hmm. illness and and really kind of saying like, hey, guys, like I struggle too. Because I think, you know, people complain about the Instagram perfect world and I love beautiful things. But what was it like for you 
to kind of share that side of your life and maybe fill us in on some of those struggles that you've been through. Absolutely. I remember it so vividly. I had, I think it was 2012 or 2013, and I had been writing for a while and had decided to, I was either going to quit Wit and Delight altogether because I just (laughs) didn't have the passion in me and or I was going to figure out I had to reinvent it. And fatefully, I got a call from Target and they actually met me in person and they were like, we want to do a product line with you. And I was like, well, (laughs) I guess I'm going to keep doing this. And in so many ways, it was such an amazing opportunity because it it really was designing and that's what I loved. And it helped me find my love for Wit and Delight again. However, I was like, okay, if we're going to be in front of all these new people and I'm not fully in love with this business that I built when I was 24... I mean, really what's next? And I thought long and hard and I realized that my life had improved so much because I had dealt with what was going on internally and that, that peace and contentment and true just sort of feeling good even when things, you know, when I'm going through a season where things are not, are not going well for me, that this too shall pass. I realized that that was a huge part of what I was really talking about with lifestyle. And I thought, okay, is there a way that I could bring in you know, mental health awareness or, or being able, talking about how you can work on your inside to connect that with our love for beautiful things or just a love for being human and being alive. And, and I thought, okay, well, I got to start with, you know, if, if I'm going to give people advice on this, I have to own it and I have to, I have to live it. And so I, I sat down at one in the morning and wrote, I think it was a story called My Apartment of First. And I just acknowledged that Things had been going on, but I hadn't said anything about it and about how my apartment, this apartment that I had designed was really my way of healing through a divorce that had, you know, happened only 11 months after getting married. It was 100% my fault. And I had done a lot of things that were very hurtful to a lot of people. And it was almost like by each book that I brought in or each chair that I did, I was taking care of myself and saying that this is a space where you can be 100% you and you can listen to Nico Case and cry while you make roast chicken, which is literally <laughs> what I did. And I fell in love with Wit and Delight all over again because I thought there's nothing there's nothing about my story that could be all that different than from the readers that I'm talking to because they all have this love for design or want for their life around them to be beautiful. And that, I think, longing for beauty, it's linked to aesthetics, but it's also linked to just, I think, enjoying enjoying your life beyond just the day-to-day grind. And, and sometimes that can be an escape for things that are going on internally. So I thought it's not, it can't be just me. And once I realized how much, more, I think, more beautiful my life had became through seeing beauty and the good and bad things, I I said, I I feel like I have a duty to help other people find this. And so the story really sharing this was very much about I had come to peace with it. And I I felt like it wasn't it wasn't mine to hold anymore. It was mine to give to others. So hopefully maybe they could see themselves in it. And I still to this day get messages from people who are going through divorce or who had, you know, looked at themselves in the mirror and said, I I can't do this alone anymore. I, I need to go talk to someone. And that moment of surrender is so powerful. And what I tell people is that is the beginning of the rest of your life. When you surrender to that and you are you are willing to say I, you know, I can't do this all on my own or there's something I need to to really look inside myself to try to figure out. I find it to be, you know, it's such a moment of pain and hurt, but it is when you look back at it, the moment where everything changed. So I just I felt like there was a place where beauty and real life could sit aside one another. And we're not talking about just messes, we're talking about really what do you care about? What drives you? You know, and decisions become a little bit more clear when you know what you're about and no one else can tell you who that is except for you. 
What I think is so amazing about what you just said and what popped into my head, and I don't, I can't remember who said this to me once, but there's a difference between sharing like a wound and a scar. And a lot of times I feel like people jump to the internet to share like a gaping wound, like they're yeah. in it and they're in the mess mm-hmm. and they they can't quite yep. communicate what that looks like. And yep. it sounds like to me that you kind of gave yourself that season of healing without mm-hmm. feeling that you were out of alignment. Because I think that's where people get so yeah. confused online is it's like, is it out of alignment to be sharing beautiful things when I'm going through this? But I think we have to learn how to process things too, without like the internet being a crutch. And, and so, feedback, yeah, the go feedback ahead. that you get when you have an open wound, you have to remember that when people are responding to your content or what you're putting out there, it is couched in their own personal experience. So you might be feeling less alone, but you're never going to be able to fully I think, engage with the type of healing that you really need if you're engaging with kind of taking on other people's experiences as well. And I found that when I even when I've gone to like pull something or like our tile decision this weekend, I was like, <laughs> that was like probably like, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny to look at it next to something very big and serious like a divorce. But, you know, even then I'm like being swayed in all these different directions. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is different for me because normally I like wait until I've like processed it before I go out and share. And so I do think the impetus and feeling for going towards sharing, I think is a natural response for us when we're uncomfortable. We look to connect with people to help us feel a little bit better. There is a moment of pause that I do think needs to happen between us and our phones that sometimes I think has gotten lost in people seeing that, oh, authenticity is a great way to connect. You have to make sure that you have boundaries with yourself first. And that authenticity piece, if it's about connecting with your audience and having everyone kind of have a discussion around a topic that they're able to bring themselves to the table and it's not going to affect you in the space that you hold for yourself, then go for it. But if you are feeling raw and soft and that, you know, your ego is being triggered and you just, you're feeling like one negative comment could just make you, I call it a sneaky shame spiral, could just ruin your day. It's really important to give yourself time and space to heal. And sometimes that's one day and sometimes it's a year. I mean, I would say my postpartum struggles last year, I, you know, I kind of talked about it, but I needed time and space. And I look back at that as I kind of emerged from, from the haze. And I think, you know, I'm really lucky that everything is still somewhat afloat, but I didn't have the space to talk about it or share it without, I think, sometimes thinking that that sharing that in real time was going to make it worse. But the little bits that I did, you know, if you do want to say, I don't want to share beautiful imagery right now because it's not how I'm feeling. And I, I just don't believe in doing that. You know, you can share a little bit and connect with people without having to, you know, give the whole story away. And I think it's important for people to have boundaries with not only themselves and people who are close to them, but, but with the internet. When it comes to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. Now, either way, it takes a ton of work. Whether you're building your website from scratch or struggling to manage payments, you need Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate one-stop shop that's been my go-to for almost a decade. Yes, nearly a decade. It's designed to help creators and entrepreneurs build thriving online businesses with steady recurring income. Whether it's blogging, coaching, or podcasting, Kajabi 
Kajabi makes it simple to transform your passion into profitable online courses, exclusive membership sites, and so much more. Over the years, Kajabi has been my rock from hosting my signature courses like the Pinterest lab to handling transactions without taking a single penny of my money. That's right. You get to keep 100% of what you earn. With Kajabi, you get powerful analytics, simple payment options, effective email marketing tools, and beautiful website templates that you can customize. And here's a little secret. You don't need a massive following to earn a great income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi who are making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers, and you can be one of them. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash goal. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash goal. Join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion today at kajabi.com slash goal. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Well, I think that leads me to something that I admire about you and something I'm just curious to know kind of how you navigate this is one of the things that I feel like you have just done this beautiful job of and something that's a little bit different than the way my brand looks, which is why I was so excited to chat with you about it, is that you have let people in to these little glimpses of your life enough to feel like I know your children, I know your husband, I can kind of visualize you in your space without feeling like you're putting everything on blast or like sharing Mm -hmm. too much. What do those boundaries look like for you? And how do you feel like you've built this like personal brand without oversharing or putting too much into the forefront? Yeah, I always put my readers first and I always think, is this a story that they could, you know, relate to or see themselves in? And, you know, for me, it's always, I've always been a little bit afraid to be out in front. And so I think there is a little bit of fear in that. And I I think to be totally honest, I think it's important for people to know. I think it's a very normal thing to be like, the scariest thing in the world is put my face on my, you know, on Instagram. And I am that person, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't, 
I'm sure that that's a complicated thing that I could kind of go into and it probably would be good for me to explore that. However, you can have a voice through your writing or through the way that you kind of weave together imagery or stories with voiceovers or with the juxtaposition of real life and, you know, understanding how stories kind of unfold with, you know, we have, we're having a problem. Let's, you know, we can update with you or, you know, this really good thing happened and then this really bad thing happened. Like we shared the story of our vacation recently and I've just put the beautiful moments next to the moments that were really hard. And in so many ways, I got to have my vacation to myself. I didn't post much for about, I think, five days while I was there because we were having a roller coaster of a time. But to share that afterwards and just say, you know, hey, I was gone. This is kind of how things happened. I didn't have to, you know, share it all or really even share my face, but people kind of could see where I was. And so I think storytelling in general is an important part if you're not going to be you know, front and center all the time, um, that that visuals and mixed with really great understanding where people connect is, I think, the most important. And, you know, I think of when I'm talking to a friend, you know, like would, would we sit down and talk about this for a while? I'm like, that's probably some some decent content. Yeah, I think it's just a normal thing to be afraid to put yourself out there. Is that yeah. No, that's like amazing. I always just have to pause because I feel like what's so awesome about that is that is such a legitimate fear for people. And and mm-hmm. I know, especially for me lately, somebody on my team had said, you know, you're experiencing growing pains because you're going from just an entrepreneur to like more of a public figure in yeah, a sense. Absolutely. And, and it's really hard because it opens yourself up to opinions and criticism. And, and I realize like I mess up and there's a lot of issue, but that fear is so real. I think if people were really honest, the fear of becoming successful is almost just as scary as the fear of failure. Uh, 100%. I have had a, I mean, I have gotten in my own way more times than not because I don't feel that I either deserve success or that I don't have permission to be successful, which is a whole bag of like, I think we should talk whole... about that. Okay, let's talk, let's about, talk about it. <laughs> because I feel like this is real and this is how so many women feel right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally this morning had to give myself a pep talk. I sat myself down on the couch and I said, okay, it's Monday. It was a long, long weekend where I didn't get half my stuff done. I've got eight essays to edit and we're launching a website, which is like, like next week. And <laughs> and it's insane. And I'm like, you, you have to look yourself in the mirror. It's almost like having this other this other entity, sort of like the warrior me that is like, you, you not only are capable of doing this, but like, this is what you're building. This is what you do. And it's almost like I have these two identities that are really me and they, they fight quite often. And I mean, I still to this day apologize when people like ask me what I do. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this thing, blah, blah, blah. And like, we like reach like 3.3 million people. And you know, it's like, I'm like downplaying it because I don't want to like offend yeah. them or like have them ask questions. And I do think that it is a deep seated, you know, fear of being too much or, or making too much of a splash. And I think that a lot of women are taught that, that we should be, you know, agreeable and everyone likes us. And, and I was definitely raised that way. And what I realized is that by running this business, the most important decisions I've made have come from abandoning being likable. It's been standing up for myself when no one else will. And this is in particularly with big you know, collaborations and product things. But every day it is a constant struggle. And I have to just say, you have permission to to have big dreams and big goals. And the only person's opinion who really does matter in this is, is me. And I I've found that that critic inside, you know, and sometimes I'm like, oh, they don't think I'm able to do this or a no means something else. And I'm like, you know what? You are looking for opportunities to 
prove that that thought in your head is true. And like, you're the one making those connections because deep little part of you believes it. And I'm working to really crush that because this next, you know, ask like this next phase of my business, it sounds like you're kind of going in that direction too, is that the train is moving and it's either, you know, you got to figure out how to, you know, like evolve the next aspect of it as you're moving and build it and also protect yourself and be okay. And so giving yourself permission to be successful and to remember that anytime someone comes at you with criticism, sometimes it's definitely like, oh, I can improve there. And that stuff is great. I mean, keep that coming because like we all grow from it. But when it's just someone's like reflection of their own internal issues, so much of what hurts online is that. And I try to come at it with compassion and say like, remember how awful you just were talking to yourself? They're probably doing the same thing. You know, the look of your success might be triggering them. And I just try to give people grace because I got to give myself grace and just allow myself the opportunity to go after all of this because ambition, I've always been ambitious. I was like at six years old, like competitive on my, like I lived in Indianapolis. We had a kindy 500, you know, the the indie 500. So all the kindergartners are on their their big (laughs) wheels and it's on video. The kids are like waving to their moms. I I get on this thing and I put my head down and I was like, (gasps) and my parents were like, who is this child? I was like in kindergarten. So it's just who I am, you know, and that's not for everyone, but I also like, that's me. And, And why should I dim that? for the expectations of what women should be in society. So that, that's a big statement there, but no, you know, I think there are a lot of people it. who own it, who, uh, who feel that, you know, success is something to, you know, apologize for like, Oh, well, what are you doing about your kids? And blah, blah. And, you know, and there's obviously the flexibility that comes with being successful mm-hmm. and that I'm able to do more because I have a full-time nanny and I have a husband who has flexible jobs, but you know, all of that does get wrapped up, especially as you become more successful in, you know, when you're talking to people who are first building their things, your life doesn't reflect, you know, your middle doesn't reflect their beginning. That's something yeah. that's been said a lot, but so often I want to go back to my beginning to like relate to all of to everyone who's coming along with me. And that's not where I'm at. And that's okay. Let's imagine that that was where we were at. I think it could be fun. Let's imagine that you and I, we have nothing, no platforms, no yep. sites. Where would you start if you were to start today? Because I feel like you have mm. evolved this brand so much and, and we're totally going off the questions because I think this would be really interesting is like, if yeah. you were to start today, what would you start with? I mean, I would probably start with, man, I mean, I would probably start with a podcast, which is why we're introducing that now, mostly because it's that intersection of writing and in connection. And I I do think, so if I'm going to be, you know, an entrepreneur, I would say what's lacking in the world right now, and that is connection, right? And that people are retreating more. We're more connected than ever, but we're not connecting. I would add that to the way that I would be writing. And then I would be, I think, focusing a little bit more fully on where, you know, real life and in style intersect. And so I would be building that on Instagram and making it very, you know, visually very, very clear what the mission of the company is. And that, I think that's what's hard with uh, where we're at now is that we're doing so many things. Sometimes it's hard to like be super crystal clear about the mission of the company. And I'm not even answering your question. I'm like skirting around it. No, no. But I, I do think that I would start there and then I would, you know, go into, into products and ways that I could extend my message into, you know, people's hands, like in real life. So everything would really kind of revolve around where can we have the best connections and where does that serve my, you know, my unique talents and ability to get good content out there? Because I think at the end of the day, 
if I was starting again, I would take inventory of what comes easy to me. And I think this is something that people don't do. They think, oh, I'm not a graphic designer. So I, you know, I can't, you know, or I'm not a photographer, so I can't do that. Look at where your talents are and what, what mediums that you're easily able to kind of produce in. And I always just look at where like, you know, I can't do this because I'm not this. And when I begin to focus my efforts where things flow or there's less friction, that's where the best content comes from. So I would really, really take inventory of what can I produce with the least amount of friction and a sort of internal where I wouldn't have to learn a completely new skill. And I would let, I would build my brand values around that. I build my business around where I can produce and, and not have it sort of take too much life out of me. Because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you got it. I mean, energy and time is everything. Is, your, is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what's so interesting about what you just said is when I think about beginning again, there's just so much more content out there for people to mm -hmm. consume, whether it's educational stuff, even like this podcast, you know, mm -hmm. and it's really easy for people to almost want to take a notepad and take notes and say, this is step A, B, C, D, and E to right. get to where these people are. And I feel like people have forgotten to go inward and to really say like this serves oh, yeah. me or this no longer serves me or this oh, like yeah. doesn't feel right. And yeah. so what's so interesting is I'll see, you know, post pop up like, do I really have to do Pinterest or I hate mm. Instagram? And it's like, exactly. no, like find your genius, like focus yeah. on your genius spot. Because if you're doing things that you hate doing all day, like it's never going to get you anywhere. No, it's not. And it truly like I have designed my days around actually my weeks around the things that are hard for me to do because I know they're it's just a necessary evil. And by, you know, setting that aside and saying, okay, you get to go and, and do all your fun stuff for like all of these parts of the day. But yeah, this day is when you like sit down and you grind it out. And I've got actually found that you know, you can figure out ways to tackle the stuff is hard, but you have to have the reason for doing this be, you know, front and center and, you know, kind of reminding you each week that it's worth putting your, you know, putting your head to the ground and going because it takes so long to build and it takes, it takes so much looking at what's working and what's not and abandoning things and trying, trying things. And I am not someone who unfortunately, makes a detailed plan and then follows it. Yeah, me neither. I am like, a, <laughs> let's just see what happens. And so lots of things go out there that don't work. But I do think that that is sort of the, the ignorance is bliss aspect of it is that, you know, you kind of begin to learn that that's not always the right way to do it. But there isn't a whole lot that you can't do by getting real feedback or by understanding how to like build a plane while you're flying it, yeah. you know, and I do think that that's just something that people oftentimes feel like if I write, if I write enough notes, if I if I take enough, make enough plans that I won't fail. And there's just no way of avoiding that. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed 
for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And I feel like entrepreneurship is this mix of like, quote, big breaks, which let's be honest, there is no such thing as overnight success, but there are things that kind of catapult you forward and then you kind of slide on backwards and then you catapult forward and you slide on backwards. And, And I feel like, you know, with the internet, it's so easy to see those catapults or to imagine them in these people's lives. But but there's a lot of backsliding happening and a lot of like self discovery. I'm curious, Kate, for you especially with like struggling with mental illness and, and what mm-hmm. that looks like in terms of like seasons of seasons yep. of life seasons of the year winter you know all of that like what does yeah. that look like for you as a creator because there is some crippling statistics about mental illness with entrepreneurs oh, and yes. so let's kind of dive into that just a little bit yes you know when i heard those statistics i thought ah oh, of course yeah you know like number it one I'm, you know it makes a lot of sense i mean especially you know as someone with depression and anxiety but i mean my depression and anxiety come from my adhd mm-hmm. and i was diagnosed at 27 and they <laughs> i had it's a it's, it's a test that basically contests how like the way that you make decisions on a simple task which add is essentially your blood flow is not flowing as it should to your executive functioning parts of your brain that's it and so the, I'm like taking this test and thinking like, I don't have ADD. I'm just like flying through this. And it took my therapist a year to get me to go in and get it tested. She's like, I really do think it all comes back to this. And I was like, no, no. How in the world would I have gotten so much done? How in the world would I have done so well in school? So I'm, you know, I'm sitting there in my chair and I, you know, doing my test and the guy comes in and he goes, okay, I just have to ask, did you graduate college? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay. He goes, the test scores here are not indicative of someone who typically does that. What? And I just started bawling. I mean, I think I just started crying because I've always known that doing everyday tasks like remembering to pay my bills or like not losing my keys or, you know, not missing an appointment has always been hard for me. And so I didn't have really an option other than following my passions because I couldn't focus on anything unless I was hell bent on it. And being hyper-focused is another calling card of people with ADHD. So I'm sitting there bawling. He doesn't know what to do because he's just like, <laughs> you know, and he's got the, like my, there's also like a mental health intake and it's like very clear I have anxiety. And 
I just, I think it took me a really long time to be okay with the fact that I had like, what is a learning disability? I didn't want that to be part, you know, part of my identity. I felt like the, like that's failing in a way that I'm not never going to be able to change the way that my blood flow works to my, my executive functioning prefrontal cortex, whatever. So I took a lot of time to heal that. And then I realized, oh, this is why I can juggle so many things. This is why I have, you know, a very fast brain. I learned that what makes life hard sometimes is also what makes me, you know, great and interesting and different. And once I could start reframing that, I realized like, okay, I have the opportunity to kind of let my unique passions and talent fly. And it will work better if I have structure around the rest of my life. So the past three years has been about finding my own boundaries and limits, really understanding the energy flow. And I think Beth Kirby talks about this a lot with her experiences is that, you know, I can go for two weeks and then I know that after two weeks of like working like a maniac, that there will be five to 10 days where I have to take it easy. It is like throwing up a ball and knowing it's going to come down. That's how like consistent it is. You know, now I have calendar systems and I have, I've built our entire workflow around me knowing where everything is. I have a tile on my keys. And I just, I think that you really have to look at struggles with mental health as it's something that's serious, but it's also something that makes you unique, uniquely you. And that's something that we don't talk about a whole lot. It's, it is a very serious thing. And we have to kind of get rid of that stigma of that, you know, mental illness bad. And, you know, I remember even when I talked about it, people were like, well, now you can never run for office. And I was like, I never want to run for office. I, I always want to, you know, like I want to be someone who like, I think that there's a lot more opportunity in helping people, you know, think about all the people who have insanely brilliant minds who never had the opportunity to go and make something because people, they were told they were dumb. Yeah. And that to me is like, you know, especially with creatives, because your brain is just going so fast and you've got, you know, the end you have like real imposter syndrome and you've got a real diagnosis. It is, it's hard to, it's hard to make room for you to be imperfect, but in a lot of ways it's great for creatives because you're making things and that's where the magic happens. And so I, I try to help one myself focus on those times and when my like learning disabilities really make me special and, and is a big reason why this business even exists. And then I make time for when it's about taking care of myself and the family, you know, my family around me, I've been very open about what I need and, you know, and what I am going through. And now it's become something that is like, it's not even that big of a deal. You know, it, it's just about knowing when you're triggered. Like we're launching this website in a week. And I know that after this week, I'm going to need a break. Yeah. And so I, I literally texted Joe this morning. I think when I was like prepping to come on here, I was like, okay, I've written my entire list down. So I write everything down when I come into work and I batch organize everything. And I'm like, it's going to be a rough week. Yep. And he's like, cool. I'm just going to be home a little late tonight. And then I've got the kids the rest of the week. Yeah. And if I would have just sort of been like, oh, I should have been more organized earlier. I shouldn't have waited for that. It's like, it's just about today. Yep. And it's just about taking care of yourself going forward. So there's just, again, like giving yourself the opportunity to succeed, take that diagnosis, take that, you know, that feeling of like, oh, this is hard to live. And remember that there are a lot of beautiful things that come out of that struggle. And you're a lot more resilient because of it. One thing that I am curious about with you is, are you emotional about your work? Or have you been able to learn how to separate the emotion? Because when you're talking about, especially with entrepreneurs and being so passionate, which I think so yeah. much of what we create is fueled by passion and and what becomes hard, especially as artists, whether it's photography or graphic design or yeah. whatever, you know, so much of that is an extension of the way we view the world or the way that we're showing up. 
how do you manage your emotions with the work that you create? I'm just curious. So that's kind of interesting. And I, I can't say that this is, I, I don't know if this will be helpful, but I am not at all emotional about it. I think the reason why I'm not is I was taught in design school, one, that you only grow from critiques and that your job as a designer is to problem solve. And so I guess I've never looked at my art or work as something that isn't just one iteration of a well of work that I have within me. And I really am kind of one of those people that thinks it's it's good that people don't like everything. And it's it's good that people have higher standards or it's not for everyone, because I think that's how really interesting things come out of this world. And I, I do think years of therapy of separating what other people are saying about me from my own self-worth. I think that has been a huge benefit in trucking along when people are like, well, that sucked. Like, I think I, <laughs> I, think I wrote about my divorce. When I got divorced, I, I told my, asked my then husband, you know, he's like, there's just no reason this should ever be on Wit and Delight. And I was like, I agree. And so when I wrote about it, I was like, I can only write about this if it has nothing to do with him. And I, and his family, I mean, my God, I'd still will forever feel terrible about that. And I looked back and I had Joe read it and I'm like, does this feel like it's implicating, you know, anyone at all? And he's like, no, it's about you. And so I posted it and this woman goes, this is far too vague for it to be impactful. And I'm just like, and I think I responded. Vague for a reason. Well, I'm like, yeah, I mean, teach their own. Like, I don't yeah. have to explain, yeah. you know, I don't have to be like, I was protecting, you know, like, cause I don't, it's just, it's just not worth it. And so I do have a very strict, do not feed the trolls. I will send a personal note if I feel like we've messed up, which we have, and I handle that one-on-one -on -one and we just don't go there because, you know, and I've had to like, I have with building a staff and even with contributors, I've had to say, you guys, we can't be doing that. Like one, it's not how we handle conflict. Two, everyone is allowed to have their own opinion. And that's just part of communicating with humans. And so I guess I've just rationalized criticism and I've looked for ways where it can actually, I can actually like learn and grow. And I don't know, maybe my strict dance teachers growing up too conditioned <laughs> <laughs> me for it. But I, I do think it's it's good for people to think of your thick skin as a way of protecting your your ability to create and, and part of being a resilient human. You know, it's a great thing. It's a great service to yourself and it's a great service to your team and your children. And that kind of self-reliance comes from, you know, knowing and believing in yourself that, you know, you aren't as good as your is the last piece of work you put out. Yeah. I think that's so important, too, because I know a lot of people that I've taught or that I've encountered or that I've interviewed even are are incredibly emotional about their work. And I think that there is a time and a place like I think you should be emotional about your why or mm -hmm. you should be emotional about like the new projects you're taking on. But yeah. like I am not that either. I, I get exhausted by emotion. So it's very business is very like, is this a good business move or not? Is this smart? Like I'm very strategic that yeah. way. Mm -hmm. And then I'm very emotional when it comes to relationships. And so Same. like if I was emotional about every piece of work that I put out there, man, I would be drained by the end of the day and yeah. have nothing left. And so I love how you kind of shared that because I think it's so, so important that people can see that like you can have a very strong why without like being on this roller coaster of emotion with every piece that you create. Absolutely. And it's protecting the part of your business that needs you to care yep. 110%, yep. you know, and, and that's how you work through the times with low energy, you know, and you're, you got to protect that. So 
Do you have any advice for people that want to kind of transition or start a more personal brand without feeling like they have to just put everything out there? Like, where would you encourage people to start? Because I think that personal brands are the way that things are moving if I'm looking at trends and and that connection piece. But what kind of advice would you offer? Yeah, I like to look at what I learned from consulting brands for a decade as a way that you can really look at yourself. And it all kind of comes down to what do you value and what do you want the purpose of your business to serve? And it, it cannot be broad. It has to be really defined. And those are personal. I mean, it's actually a lot easier to do it personally than it is to look at a business and say, okay, like, you know, (laughs) how do we add the personality to this? Exactly. (laughs) You know, and we do classes on this and stuff like that. And and I found that I didn't expect those to be, I don't know, I guess I I didn't realize how important it was not only for people who are starting a business, but just for people who are are selling themselves to get a job or using their Instagram as a way for someone to you know, check them out before they hire them for their work. You really want people to kind of know what you're about. And, and that comes down to, you know, are you an expert or are you, you know, sort of a connector or, you know, like what about human interactions drives you? And for me, I'm very interested. I'm very curious about humans. Like I'm curious about the way that we respond to things. I'm curious about the way that the choices that we make kind of change the way that we live. And so that curiosity has driven me to really look at where life and style intersect. And, and that to me is a platform that I'm able to look at and say, okay, does that does this piece of content fall in there? Yes, post it. Does it not? Save it. Save it for later. And it's, it's such a simple construct. So really take inventory of, of those values and let that be the impetus and, and starting point for what is possible. I don't think a lot of people have just a business idea that sort of comes out of thin air, especially when it comes to a personal brand. I think getting out there and connecting with people and taking inventory of what your audience, I mean, it doesn't matter how big or small, like what your audience is interested. Where do you have authority? Where you've been, where are you an expert? Where does your energy flow and passion flow? Uh, and then explore what's possible with that. Um, and, and try not to put yourself in a box because there are lots of different tools you can use, but I think it takes kind of sitting back for a little bit matching up, you know, something that you care about enough to do consistently for a really long time yes. with the tools that are available to you. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, there's never been more opportunity for people to get things off the ground with little, you know, with little, you know, money to start it up. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, but I got, I coded my own website and here we are, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. and it's, it's very inspiring for people, but it is overwhelming. And it just, everyone has got something special. Everyone's got their own, you know, unique way of being themselves. And I think it's a great place to start if, if you're looking at getting into a personal brand. You Don't know what we should do? You know, what would be funny Ooh. is if we could all, there's like a website, like Time Machine, where you can go back and look at oh, like the God. first iterations of your websites. Wouldn't that be yeah. awesome if we all posted that? Because when you were just saying all of that, I'm like, yes. And and in my head, I'm like thinking objectively, like a listener who is getting started and, and all of the, but I don't, but there isn't. It like makes me laugh when I think back to even the MySpace days where I learned like oh HTML, gosh. like yes. for MySpace, my MySpace page was baller. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I coded my own website and it had to be in columns <laughs> and it had to look different because that for me, I was like, the only way I'm going to stand out is if I don't have like a scrolly blog. Yeah, like that was my only thing, and I was obsessed. And I remember showing it to my to my coworkers who are designers, and they were like, "Well, this is incredibly unintuitive." Yeah. And I was like, 
I don't care. You don't know this audience. I promise you, someone is going to click on this and be like, oh, and that's how we launched. It was knowing that one thing that I could do. I couldn't even really, I mean, I knew that if I like learned it, I could kind of get there and it served its purpose. It crashed. It was buggy. It was not intuitive, but it served its purpose. And it is so far from perfect. So I think that's such a good example of like, you know, and you can't like there, we all start like that. Yeah. You know? Like even when you said like you can't compare your beginning to someone's middle, like it's actually so true because I feel like nowadays people want to launch with these like custom websites or like, you know, all yeah. of this beautiful stuff. And that's awesome. But like it took me six years to afford a custom website, yeah. you know? Absolutely. I think that this this is actually something I just said to one of our managers here. We were talking about kind of shifting some of our editorial stuff to make sure just some tweaks and changes we were going to make. And I I said, what's interesting is when you look at Wit and Delight, like we have good content in spades. And that's something that's, you know, and we need to work on our marketing messages and making sure that we're like clearly communicating. Well, that's one of our issues. However, the meat that you need to get people to keep coming is there. And that's what we've always been doing. And that when you're starting adding value and showing people why they should continue to show up and stay is the most important thing you can do because now anyone can look, anyone can look professional. And I think people do sniff out things that are not totally thought through authentic. I mean, I was like looking at some design references or, you know, earlier, but we were going to buy this template thing and I couldn't find one, a picture of anyone Mm -hmm. two where they were actually located and three. And I'm like, and all this stuff is beautiful. I'm like, this is fishy. Yeah. So, you know, the quick big launch, I mean, people are so smart and so good at trusting their intuition when they can sniff out, I mean, BS, like they, they really can. So that is something that, you know, even, even the custom website stuff, it always goes back to, is this good and valuable and will people come back? Yep. Absolutely. So my last question for you is this, like, what are you excited about right now? What's going on in your world? What are you, I mean, you have this launch, like kind of give us a little synopsis of life right now. Okay. Life right now, I am emerging from two years of being just fully postpartum. So I've got two kids 16 months apart and I've been pregnant for for that time (laughs) or nursing. And so it is spring and I am like just excited to be, you know, have all my energy back to tackle some of these new projects. And we, our new website is up and we actually, thank you, Jenna, we found Tonic through you. And Jen is just brilliant. She's brilliant. She's just a dream. And so much so like, I'm like looking at my copy docs and she's like, oh, I think that this tagline is better. And I was like, Jen, I just need it. It's like having, it's like having a consultant. It's a very godmother. It is. And it's it's giving me life because it's connecting everything that we've been doing. So I've had so much going on. We have a 6,000 square foot studio space that we rent out to creatives in town that we just haven't been clearly communicating. So that'll be front and center. We just launched a podcast, which I'm like getting my Bambi feet underneath me. And it's so fun to start something that's new and learn something. What and is the podcast called? So people can check it out. The Wind Delight Podcast. Perfect. And it's it's me and it's really where life and style intersect. And actually my husband is on it with me quite often when we talk about raising kids and how we first met and all that. So we're just kind of, it's essentially content that you see in the blog with me and sometimes some guests. So that's been fun, you know, definitely just trying that out. And then we've got an e-com store and we're launching a ton of new products this summer that has everything to do with organizing your life around being flexible. And it's really is inspired by the way that I've learned to do a lot with crazy ADD brain. So that's all coming up. So thank you for letting me share that. Oh it's gosh, it's, it's so fun excited. to feel excited. Yes. You know? 
and I think, as you said, there's a season for everyone. And it's been, you know, in my down season and we've had so many up seasons and so many wonderful things happened in my down season, you know, definitely like kind of coincides with this new phase in my life. And I think it's so good to remember that no matter how long those are, you know, keep going and you'll get to a point where you'll, you'll be excited again. And that everyone is either at an up or a down yes. or somewhere in between, no matter what your life looks like online. Yes. We all go through it. There was a quote. And again, I don't remember who said it. I like mom brain is actually very real, but it was it something is. where it was like, never stop celebrating someone in their winning season. Cause you don't yes. know what they lost in their that. losing season. Yes, I said that last week and I was like, yes, you know, especially being where I'm at right now, where I am then, you know, putting my head down, working out what's next for what and delight and just cheering people on because that's what they did for me when they were in the moment where all that hard work paid off. And it's, it's just, I think we are in a time where it's not so much about there's a pie and you need to grab your slice before it's gone. The internet has really shown us that there is an abundance of opportunity for everyone to build what they want. And when you do it with, you know, goodness and you align your your truths and who you are and your talents with the opportunity, I think, you know, there's always a spot for that. So awesome. yeah, celebrate each other. I mean, it really, it kept my spirits up, which was, I think something that, that showed me a lot about the power of what happens on the internet, that with all the comparisons that can happen, you can really find a lot of inspiration by celebrating other people's wins. Ugh, amen. So where can we celebrate your wins online oh, after this episode? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wintandelight.com is a place it's where you find everything that we're doing and all of our content. We've got amazing contributing writers that are talking about tons of personal experiences from motherhood to choosing to be single to infertility. So that's a great place to stop. And then Instagram for all the beautiful things at Wit and Delight with a little underscore at the bottom. And then, yeah, the podcast, if you want to hear me ramble more, Wit and Delight podcast. Okay, let's set a date so that we can hang out really soon. Maybe we can host a little meetup at your space. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, Okay. And share. I think that would be awesome. So if you're in Minnesota, guys, follow Kate and make sure you're following me too, because then maybe we'll we'll all get to hug it out in real life and celebrate those winning seasons. So yeah, let's do it when it's warm out and it's going to be great. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, Jenna, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Today's show. I am really grateful that Kate showed up in the way that she did. And I think that a lot of times when we follow people online, we feel like we get this tiny glimpse into their life. And if you've ever followed Kate, even for five minutes, what she shares is so beautiful. But there is a piece of what she shares that is just so raw and inviting. It makes you feel less alone. And I think a lot of times we confuse like sharing beauty and is it authentic because life isn't always beautiful, but there is a way to show up that is raw and real, but still curated. And I love how she talked about some of the hard things. I mean, there is a difference between a wound and a scar and knowing how to share those hard things and let people in without having it be so raw that it can really influence the way that you're processing what you're going through. I loved my conversation with Kate today. I mean, we ditched the script and I'm really glad we did because I think we got to the heart of some of the things, some of those bigger questions that we have. And let's be honest, if we could all go back and look at the time machine of the different sites that we've launched or the different brands that we've dreamt up, we'd all have a good laugh because I think today, a lot of times we're just scared to start. We're scared to show up imperfectly. We're scared to put things out there that aren't polished. But if I can glean anything from this interview, it is to just go. 
Go before you feel ready and stop waiting for permission. So if this is what you need, if permission is something you're waiting for, you have it. Get out there and chase your bigger goals. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. And until next time, I hope you guys get busy digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.